0: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
1: I really like verse 15 because today we sort of live in a day where social justice has run wild and we can do anything to anybody and if you're poor enough, you you can get away with almost anything. It just seems more pious that way, but it's not. It's impious. It's not pious. Verse 15, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor I am the Lord I can see
0: the promised land though there's pain within the plan there is victory in the end your love is my battle cry
1: the answer for all my life every giant
0: the mountains will move every chain of the past. You've broken into all the fear of the lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is impossible with you. Oh, nothing is impossible. Hello and welcome to today's Grace to Live radio broadcast with Pastor Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the program, and we're so glad to have you back. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles or on your devices if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, we're continuing with Pastor Keith's series, Ten Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos, from the Old Testament book of Exodus. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
1: Father, we thank you, Lord that we can give thanks, that you provide everything, Lord, according to our needs, according to your wisdom, according to the riches of your grace, Lord. And even in the midst of a trial, Lord, we can give thanks, because you never leave us, nor abandon us, or forsake us. We pray these things, Lord. Ask your blessing upon this time, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the things I'm thankful for, and I was trying to think of an easy segue into the, the Ten Commandments of Thanksgiving. One of the things I'm thankful for is that I don't play golf anymore. Okay, you know, for some pastors and some denominations, uh, your um, ordination is really what your handicap is, you know what I mean? So the lower the handicap, the better your ordination goes or something like that. But for me, uh, and I didn't play a lot of golf, but I spent 20 years working in golf resorts, as some of you know, whether it was uh, in Hilton Head where we put on the Heritage Golf Classic at Harbortown or whether it was in Boca Raton with the Chrysler Team Invitational, for those of you who are golfers you may or may not have heard of those, But I tell you what, you know, you're out there and it's the blue sky and you have these finely manicured greens which are really difficult to maintain and you have the fairways and you have nature and everything's beautiful. The only thing that ruins stuff Is there's this white dimpled ball that never goes where you want it to and that can be a sanctification exercise and that was just one added level of stress that I'm glad to be done with so I when I went to seminary I sold my clubs and I think and uh, that was it and I didn't play much before that and I haven't played since but anyway why do I bring up golf because as someone once told me golf like life is a game of rules without rules there is no golf; it becomes an, un- an even more unpredictable outing in nature, but the rules provide stability and understanding, and it puts everybody on the same level on the same playing field with a common understanding of how things work and The ten commandments for humanity, for believers for god 's church are, are the ten rules for life, the ten essential rules for life, and they make life just like rules in golf, they make life predictable understandable, interpretable. They, they make God's will in, 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 a very, in a very succinct way known to us. And they give us a sense of God's holiness and how God is and how he wants us to be. That's why we call them 10 rules for life and antidote for chaos. Because if you think it's chaotic with rules in golf, you take the rules away and everything goes out the window. And it's so it is with the 10 commandments. They are our quick start guide for life. And as you know, if you've been here with us, we've been working through them uh, one at a time each week pretty much. And today we come to the Eighth Commandment. And I was sitting there going, wow, I'm going to be preaching you shall not steal on Thanksgiving Sunday. But that's just the way it is, you know. Um, we come to the Eighth Commandment, uh, Exodus 20:15: You shall not steal. And we call it respecting other people's property. And really it involves respecting God and your neighbor. Because every good gift from above comes down from God. Everything we have is a gift from God. God, uh, the the psalmist says, the earth is the Lord and all that is contained therein. And God distributes his gifts and everything that we have, our talents and abilities, even our property, according to his will. The problem is, and I want you to listen very carefully, about when you look at this, you shall not steal this respect other people's property. I'm going to read you a couple of quotes here. Almost everybody agrees that stealing from others is wrong, but almost nobody agrees with what stealing is. We all have our own definitions. Let me say it again. Almost everyone agrees that stealing is wrong, but many do not agree on just what stealing is. Let me put it another way. Almost everyone agrees that it's wrong for others to steal, but somehow most people don't think that when they steal, it's wrong. Or, you can put it this way, many suggest that the laws apply to other people just not them it's amazing and the fact of the matter is if you're in this room right now you steal or you've stolen or you will steal at some level in some way and what we want to do today is really understand how to be different in this world and this world that is really amounts to sort of a kleptocracy where under the right situations and circumstances it's okay to steal I mean, we look for loopholes to every command and every law from immigration to taxation. We look at a way around things. And all kinds of people have all kinds of excuses to rationalize what they do. I'll give you an example. Uh, Years and years ago, in a galaxy far, far away, when I was much, much younger, I took a youth group to a retreat. And I know for some of the younger people, the idea of going on a retreat with me would have to be the, the epitome of boredom. But in those days, I was younger and people enjoyed my company. So anyway, so anyway, I remember sitting out and we had separated the boys and the girls. And we're sitting there and I'm with the young men and we're all talking. And one of the students goes, Pastor Keith, it's okay to steal, isn't it, to feed my family? And I was like, Whoa. Uh, But knowing his heart and knowing where he was coming from, I was very patient with him. And instead of saying, no way, no how, no, 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 I answered, you mean it's okay if your family's starving to steal from this family over here so that they can starve and your family won't? He was like, well, no, that's not what I meant. I meant it's okay to steal from people if my family's starving so from somebody who's got more stuff or goods or whatever than we do. And I was like, so you mean... It's okay to take from them so that they can be poor from you and your family. And so he was like, "What?" and as we work through this, I was trying to get him to think biblically because, you know, we're human beings. We live in the world. We are not of the world as Christians. But the bottom line is God's standard of holiness is so much different than the world's standards for conduct and theft. And one of the things that I want us to understand is, is that when you look at a command, When you look at a protection, when you look at a exhortation like you shall not steal, it means more than just not shoplifting or or breaking into somebody's house and taking what belongs to them. We have to be really careful because in our world, things are much more complex than we'd like to think they are. And so... As we look at this commandment, I want you to look beyond the idea of you shall not steal being the way that those people over there steal or those people over there, how they steal. I want you to examine how you live and how you think about what you have and what you're entitled to and what's acceptable and what's not. Because the roadmap for a civilized and sane and safe society, a healthy family, begins with these 10 commandments. And a lot of times we try to make these commandments far more vague than they really are. People play all kinds of interpretive games and spiritualize them and allegorize them and bend and twist them so they can violate them, which is what the Pharisees did and what many today in our world and in the church today do. So what I want to do today is basically ask and answer three questions about what this means. Let's ask and answer three questions about respecting other people's property so that we can honor God and honor our neighbor. Or put another way, let's ask and answer three questions about stealing or not stealing as an antidote for chaos. And so let's look at question one, and this is going to seem almost pedantic. You're going to say, really? What does this command mean? You shall not steal. What does that mean? What does it mean? You shall not steal. It's a command, it's an exhortation, and it's a warning. And it says what it means, and it means what it says, and it's not conditional there's no invisible ink, you shall not steal if you're rich, but you can if you're poor. Or you shall not steal in this situation, but stealing's okay in that situation. That's not what it says. And, and, and we just need to understand this, that there are no conditions in God's word under which stealing, taking what belongs to someone else and giving it to yourself or someone else. There's no situation or circumstance under which that is allowable. You're not doing it to, uh, to uh, right the injustices in the world and make everybody equal. It doesn't matter how poor you are, you're not entitled to steal. It doesn't matter what kind of hardship you're facing. I mean, we can always create these gut-wrenching hypothetical situations where we try to rationalize stealing. But stealing is stealing, and God hates stealing. God hates it in all of its forms. Jesus says the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what stealing is, because when you steal, when you take what doesn't belong to you, when you deprive somebody else of something, they have their rights, their property, their money, whatever it is, their reputation, whatever it is, eventually, if you press that hard enough, you'll be willing to take their life. Or if you break into somebody's house to get food for your kids, you're you're probably either going to have to eventually kill someone or they're going to kill you. It's, It's a horrible, horrible thing. The end never justifies the means. In God's economy, there is no such thing as situational ethics, ever. You shall not steal means you shall not steal. And in God's economy, it's never an option. And when we think of all the creative and exotic ways that we've cooked up to steal in the 21st century, and we think, well, certainly this command, you know, is too simple. Well, that's because a lot of times we isolate one verse in the Bible and we don't follow a theme throughout the Word of God. But when you go from Genesis to Revelation, stealing in all of its forms is wrong. And what you see is, is that God anticipated our creativity when it came to making excuses and rationalizing and finding creative ways to steal. Let me give you an example from a book that I'm sure all of you do your devotions in every Sunday, Leviticus, right? What's the theme of Leviticus? Leviticus. The way to God and the walk with God, right? You, fought, you, you trust him by faith and you walk alongside and do what he calls you to do by faith. Leviticus 19, verses 11, 13, 15, and 16. I don't want to read this whole block, so I'm going to excerpt it. It says in 11, you shall not steal. And then he clarifies it and narrows it. You shall not deal falsely with your neighbor. Stealing always involves falsehood, lying, deceit, deception. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him you can't take somebody's property usually with his cooperation and then there's games that are played Now you have to know the culture of the day the wages of a hard worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning and that day day workers were paid at the end of the day and what would happen sometimes is people would play games they try to get discounts well you know I'll pay you tomorrow and you know that meant they went without food that night and they might be willing to receive less pay and so no matter how, con- how we extort or how we trick people, it's never allowable. And I really like verse 15 because today we sort of live in a day with, where social justice has run wild. And we can do anything to anybody. And if you're poor enough, you, have, you can get away with almost anything. It just seems more pious that way, but it's not. It's impious. It's not pious. Verse 15, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor. Or defer to the great but in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor I am the Lord you can't use the courts to deprive people of what's rightfully theirs just because you're poor you certainly can't do it because you're rich stealing in any and all situations is unacceptable it's never right to do wrong to do right you know the end justifies the means the end never justifies the means God takes a dim view of thieves and thievery and we'll explore this later, but if you study the Ten Commandments in any depth, you'll find out that you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. These commands are called the jealousy commands or the envy commands because what, come, what drives these is jealousy and envy. And all carnage and chaos-producing behaviors stem from a lack of thankfulness and a lack of contentment and jealousy When somebody says, I deserve better and I'll do whatever is necessary to get what I want. The jealousy commands minimize that kind of chaos. Now let's think about it. When you think of you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, whatever. You shall not bear false witness. A jealous and dissatisfied Cain stole his brother Abel's life and chaos followed because God favored Abel's sacrifice and not king. So he stole his brother's life. A jealous, dissatisfied, a greedy David steals Uriah's wife and life and his nation and his his heritage unravels. A jealous and envious leadership seeks to steal Jesus' life and Paul's life by making unsubstantiated charges against them and violating the rule of law to accomplish their means. You know, in those days, You had to have evidence to convict somebody. You had to have evidence to condemn somebody. It's supposed to be that way now, but obviously it's not so much that way anymore. But you see what happens, these rules of jealousy. A jealous and covetous people seek to take what is not theirs in our own society today through whatever means is necessary, just like countries tried to rob Israel of its land in the Old Testament and later on in the New. Stealing and thieving are behaviors that God hates. They are idolatrous and they are evil in all their iterations and all their variations, shapes, and sizes. They are Stealing is the gateway drug to murder. We need to understand that. And as Jesus points out, the thief, whatever his excuse, comes to kill, steal, and destroy, even when we do it in the name of something else. That's why you shall not steal serves both as a vaccine and an antidote for chaos in our lives. And remember this. God wants us to be holy. He wants us to be different. We're not to blend in with the culture and society around us. We are to be different. We are to stand out. We are to swim against the stream of the culture. And part of that is not stealing anything from anyone in any shape, size, or color. So we kind of, that was question one. What does this command mean? It means what it says, and it says what it means. Don't steal No matter how creative you think you are in going about it, no matter how justified you'd like to pretend that you are, don't do it. Do not take what is not yours, okay? Now we come to the second question. How do we steal? How do we steal? Why are we asking this question? Because a lot of times we like to view the commands of God in as narrow as a light as possible to give us lots of wiggle room all around it. That's what the Pharisees did. They scrupulously stuck to the letter of the law and missed the spirit of the law and that's what we like to do as human beings mankind humanity hasn't changed much but you shall not steal it means you shall not steal and I'm reminded that humans steal in a variety of ways when you look at this the word for steal is ganaf in Hebrew And it really speaks to, when you look at the range of meaning that this word applies to throughout the Bible, you know that God knew what we were going to be like in the 21st century, because it is a comprehensive word. It applies to shoplifting, it applies to robbery, it applies to uh, every kind of theft you can imagine, and when you look at the Bible, it applies to embezzlement taking goods entrusted to your care. It applies to extortion, getting money from someone by threats or misuses of authority. And it applies to racketeering, obtaining money through by any illegal means. And that's only a partial list of the semantic domain of that word. And when you think about it today, how do we steal? Well, a lot of times we uh, pilfer public property. That's enough. We steal supplies from hospitals, building sites, and churches. My favorite After 20 years in the hotel business, we steal from hotels. And I tell you what, one hotel, let me just share this with you, in its first year of business had to replace 38,000 spoons, 18,000 towels, 355 coffee pots, and 100 Bibles. Now, the Gideons were happy about the Bibles, don't get me wrong, okay? (laughs) I remember a hotel that I worked at down in uh, South Florida in Boca Raton. Between December 15th and April 15th, and this is in the 80s when things were cheaper, our guests, who were not poor, this is a kind of a high-end you know, kind of place, stole $37,000 worth of bath sheets. And they weren't stealing it for the logo because by that time the industry had wised up and we never put logos on stuff like that anymore you know like rest easy at the Holiday Inn or whatever you know $37,000 worth of bath sheets I mean really and these people are spending $300 a night in like 1984 and 85 it's ridiculous but you know what those were souvenirs right it's okay to take souvenirs no it's coffee pots lamps you, you one restaurant we had pewter pewter salt shakers all this stuff like that and three months all gone I mean you know it was just you'd see people carrying them out in their coat pockets it was incredible and nobody says hey you see this salt shaker I got it from Boca West no I mean it just looks like a pewter salt shaker my favorite is when I was a new Christian and Terry and I had little kids We had Christian friends who would talk about how they lied about their children's age so they could fly free. In those days, you could fly free if you were under two. So you had, nobody's going to cart a three-year-old, let me see some ID. But you know, it's stealing, right? Or having graduated from academic institutions three times, you know, a master's, uh, bachelor's, doctorate. The creme de la creme is c- hanging on to that college ID and just keep getting those uh, student discounts forever and ever, even though you've been out of school for a hundred years or a hundred days, right? It's stealing. It's stealing. You're not entitled to freebies. And then there are the acceptable, the really socially acceptable ways that people do. And You remember that survey that I read to you from Inc. Magazine? The average person works 8.8 hours a day, and is only productive for two hours and 53 minutes because they're stealing from their employees. How do they steal? They spend an hour and five minutes reading news websites unrelated to their job. They average 44 minutes a day reading social media on the job. They spend up to 40 minutes a day killing time and shooting the breeze with coworkers and non-job related discussions. They dedicate a half hour a day looking for a job somewhere else. They spend 23 minutes a day on on smoke breaks, they spend 18 minutes a day making social phone calls unrelated to the job. They spend 14 minutes a day when they should be working texting and instant messaging. And these are ways which we almost see as perks today, but we're stealing when we do that. Nobody said, "Hey, Keith, come on, you know, get back there in the office. You don't have to study today. Just go to Real Clear Politics website or go to Debca No, that, you know, I'm I'm supposed to be back there getting after it and so are all of us are all of us are and again some of us assuage our guilt by claiming that these are perks and it's funny we never we never take souvenirs or take advantage of perks when our supervisors are around why is that right because we know it's wrong, and we're supposed to be different we are the body of christ we are those who have been bought by the shed blood of jesus christ and we are to so let our light shine before this world that they see our good works they see how different we are and they look to our Father who is in heaven. But too often, we, we're not only in the world, but we're of the world. And we steal in ways that we really didn't think about before. Theft is, per- is pervasive in a fallen world at every level and in every institution. Citizens steal from the government by underpaying their taxes or making false claims about disability and social security the government steals with its huge bureaucracy the federal government commits theft on a national scale by wasting public money and accumulating debt with no plan to repay you know if any of you have taken the uh, financial peace thing that uh, Gary Johnson teaches the Dave Ramsey thing you know they talk about people getting credit cards and running up bills that they know they can't pay so they're, they're purchasing goods with the bank's money and they stop paying for them that's stealing we have to think biblically Theft by conversion, theft by fraud, sharing unlicensed music, downloading unlicensed software, taking credit for things other people have done, cheating on quizzes. You shall not steal. The thief only comes to steal to steal, and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it more abundantly.